Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. I've been gone a while. This is my longest break between episodes, and it's because I took a long road trip. I started the podcast in January of 2019, and it had never more, gone more than a couple of weeks without an episode before this, but I took a month off to take this road trip and decided not to put pressure on myself to get an episode up while I was traveling, so it's good to be back. The trip started with Marion and I driving to Los Angeles. We didn't head down I-5 or go on the coastal route. We drove down inland, mostly on Route 395, visited Mono Lake. What a cool place. Besides just the ruddy ducks and eared grebes, by the gazillion it seemed like. Uh, there are fabulous cool rock salt formations. We also stopped the Yosemite briefly, stayed a night at a cool place northwest of the park called the Evergreen Lodge. Then Marion dropped me off at LAX to go to a family uh, gathering, and I took off a Medellin, Colombia. I went to visit my son, Brett, and his girlfriend, Valeria, stayed a week, fit in three really good days of birding with a terrific guide, Yvonne Lau. I'm not going to talk much about the trip, the birding on the trip, because I'm hoping to get Yvonne on as a guest really soon. Uh, but I did have three good days of birding, ended up with 159 species of birds in Colombia. Over half of them were lifers. And I'm going to talk briefly about the third day. Third day was the easiest day of birding. Uh, kind of funny on the trip. The day that Brett and his girlfriend went with me was by far the most rigorous and long day. We hiked a long ways at high elevation, up some you know relatively uh, relatively physically taxing trails. And it was an uh, uh, introduction to birding by fire for uh, Valeria. But anyway, we had fun. On the third day, though, we went to a huge family dairy farm where we met in the town nearby there, Rodolfo Correa, a local birder, uh, a hydrologist, uh, and nephew of the dairy farm owner. Well, a bird called the Antioquia brushfinch was discovered as a museum specimen sometime oh, 20 years ago or so, but nobody ever found a live specimen and it was felt to be extinct. Well, Rodolfo's a birder and knew about this bird and came out of church one Sunday morning and there was an Antioquia brush finch right outside the church. He snapped a picture with his cell phone, set it off to the experts, and pretty soon uh, all of the pros, the scientists and the birders were descending on his uh, family farm and they found several of these brush finches. Really cool. I got to visit with Rodolfo and his sister at her uh, home on the farm, had coffee there, and birded the area. Really a cool day of birding. I have a cool cup that uh, Rodolfo gave me, as a, gave me as a memorabilia of the, the visit. Really a fun, uh, really a fun day. Uh, well, after getting home from, getting back to L.A. from Columbia, Marion and I drove up the coast, uh, visited uh, redwood forests and beautiful beaches, and saw Big Surge, the fabulous trip up the coast, and I'm home, so ready to get going with the podcast again. I'm happy to have today as my guest on the Bird Bander podcast, Zach Poland. Zach is an Oklahoma birder. I've had Oklahoma on my radar as a place to go birding probably since I first got Jerry Cooper's book, on finding 650 species in a year in the ABA area. The book is actually called Bird Finder, A Birder's Guide to Planning North American Trips. It was published in 1995, so it's a bit dated, but still a fabulous reference. I recommend it to anyone who wants to plan a trip to an area that's got great birding that they might not know well enough to bird easily. Fabulous uh, way to comp compare various great birding destinations in the ABA area. Well, anyway, uh, it's a great book, and it recommends three days in winter in Oklahoma 
In the chapter, second chapter is a great winter trip, targeting all four long species, lesser prairie chicken, Harris the sparrow, and lots more. Well, I learned from my guest, Zach, that Oklahoma has a lot more than just winter birding to offer. I think you'll enjoy hearing from Zach on the Bird Banner podcast, episode number 114. Help me welcome Zach Poland. Zach, welcome to the Bird Banner podcast. Thanks for being on with me today. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. I am too. Uh, I love talking to birders from all over the place, and Oklahoma will be a new state for me when I visit it. I have not been there. Well, um, I think you're in for a real treat. I mean, I think that sometimes uh, it gets maybe a little bit um, overlooked from a from a birding standpoint, but um, man, I think it's it's got a lot to offer, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you about it. I am too. I've been I've been wanting to get there, especially in winter. I don't know if uh, I'm, you're probably too young to have read this book, but there's a, a Bird Finder, a Birder's Guide to Planning North American Trips by Jerry Cooper, written in 1995. You were probably pretty young in 1995. I I, I am not personally. I mean, I know of the book. I have not uh, yeah. not used I, it personally, but. I've used it for 30 years now or close to 30 years as a kind of a trip planning guide. And uh, the chapter two is Oklahoma in winter. Go for three oh. days. You get it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Action pack three days. I think, um, yeah. you know, we hope that you'll stay and uh, spend a little bit more of your um, your tourist dollars. Uh, but, uh, you know, three days is. Uh, yeah. Well, get it done. He lists uh, all four long spurs, Harris's sparrow, and lesser prairie chickens targets in three days in the winter. I don't know if that's still possible with a prairie chicken, but that's a that's pretty hot six birds for three days in the winter. Yeah, I mean for sure. I think that uh, that if I were to make a kind of a list, I mean those would those would be you know high up there as maybe not Oklahoma specialties. I mean that there are certainly birds that you can see in other places. Um, I personally think that um, they may be easier and uh, uh, to find in Oklahoma, but um, lesser prairie chicken, unfortunately is, is getting harder and harder, but um, the others are um, definitely here. I mean, Harris's sparrow, that is a bird that is underrated in my opinion. Oh, we, we, we got an adult. The first adult Harris' sparrow I'd ever seen was here last winter in the, in the Puget Sound area. And, you know, I've had two or three juvenile first year, first winter birds, uh, and they're pretty cool, but an adult was like, oh my gosh, so cool. I, I think uh, that's top notch right there. I mean, so yeah, I think that, uh, you know, there, there is, you know, I think it's, most you know the the most popular time i think for out of you know out of state travelers is to come here during the winter time but there is uh, a lot to be seen in you know all all four seasons so i'm um, looking forward to talking to you about it i am too first of all kind of tell me your birding story how did you get into birding and uh yeah i know you have a science background but uh, tell me your story yeah i mean i don't know so i think whether I would classify myself as a birder, um, as a, as a kid growing up, I think is what I'm doing now is, is quite different than that. But I mean, I certainly was interested in identifying birds at a, you know, very early age, um, whether or not keeping lists, that sort of thing was not really something I was doing at that time, but 
Um, yeah, I grew up in very rural South Central Kansas, you know, on a farm where there was no internet, no video games, no satellite or cable television. Um, in that way, it was it was is quite different, I think, than even my peers that you know lived in lived in town. But um, you know, there was nothing else to do and nothing else I wanted to do than, um, you know, be outside working and or, you know, playing, um, you know, every minute of the day, basically. So, um, you know, you spend a lot of time outdoors, obviously, you notice things. And from an early age, I was always interested in birds, putting uh, names on what I was seeing. Um, you know, like wild America, <laughs> like mm -hmm. on PBS, uh, sure. as a kid, I mean, that was like peak of the week, you know, I was, I was, I was there, um, in front of the television watching that, but, you know, uh, unfortunately there wasn't, I mean, there was really no birding community, um, mm -hmm. growing up, uh, that just didn't exist there. Um, my grandfather was at least interested in birds and he definitely encouraged me to pursue that interest when um, he knew that I had it. Uh, he was always, you know, taking me to um, the, you know, quote unquote birding hotspots um, in that part of the state, which are um, Cheyenne Bottoms and mm. uh, Quivira National Wildlife Refuge. They were both, I don't know, maybe like an hour um, yeah, you know, nice. up the road. And so, you know, a lot of times he would, uh, put me in, in the, uh, in the vehicle and take me up there always in pursuit of whooping cranes, which, mm -hmm. um, you know, back then prior, prior to eBird, prior to, you know, all internet and, you know, their numbers were smaller back then too. So, um, that was, we were never, never successful, but, um, tried a lot for sure back and, when you had to find your own birds couldn't yeah. uh, just poach them <laughs> off eBird. yeah i mean it's it seems so crazy but i mean things are things are quite different now but i mean i mean those are my you know really the start of you know my interest my parents definitely always encouraged me to um follow whatever interested me um always giving me bird books we, my mom bought us a book. I mean, that's what we did. It was like for Christmas or birthday, we got a book and mine was mm -hmm. always a bird book. Right. And, yeah. um, so what, so what was your bird book when you were a kid? What, what, what did you start with a golden guide or Peterson? So the golden guide was my second, my second bird book. Um, my first bird book and it's kind of silly at the time, but, uh, the, the Audubon guide, the green plastic, the one with the like the green plastic yeah. cover. Every every uh, non-birder thinks the Audubon guide is what you ought to give a birder is a bird guide, and it's yes. just pitiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still have one. I have one sitting right up here on my uh, on my bookshelf right now, but it's more sentimental than anything. It was, I mean, obviously not as useful, but mm -hmm. I spent hours in that book just flipping through. Um, photos and uh 
fantasy and the possibilities and they were all theoretical right i mean sure <laughs> like i was like i remember the first time i saw a uh, cedar wax wing and it oh, was yeah. like um game over for me at that point oh my goodness that that was the spark bird for my late wife she was oh uh, really yeah she started birding when she was uh working as a lumberjack in uh in idaho the summer at the the fall after finishing college summer and fall and uh she lived with three guys all southern california guys and they were all avid birders and she had never birded a day in her life but after a week or so she said what can you do in this little podunk town in, in idaho you can go get drunk or you can go birding with these guys i think i'll go birding with these guys so <laughs> yeah. uh she uh uh hitchhiked down to uh the, the biggest city i think boise or somewhere i don't know some city and bought herself a pair of bushnell 735s and went back and got, i think she got a golden guide and the hardcover golden guide in those days and the bushnell 735s and got into birding and then she saw a cedar wax wing and she said oh my goodness this is crazy and she was off yeah and that's that's crazy i mean it's not crazy that i mean it's just it's yeah such a really amazing bird but um yeah that was that was what it was and then um of course high school and college didn't uh you know got interested in you know everything but birds really um, sure and then really once once i got out of college started you know got the got the real job that sort of thing um i remember uh being at a a work social you know, happy hour after work. And it was mm -hmm. outside in downtown Oklahoma City. And there was these, um, you know, a large number of uh, chimney swifts oh, flying around. Cool. Yeah. And uh, I was sitting at the, the organizer of the happy hour, you know, happened to mention, you know, what are these birds here um, to the person that was sitting across the, the table from me? I did not mm -hmm. know this person at the time. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, these are chimney swifts. And I was like, wait a second, you know? So I was like, who is this guy? Um, you know? Yeah. So we got to talking, he got me plugged in to, you know, Oklahoma city birding mm -hmm. scene by sure. you know, next weekend. I think we were out, um, at the hotspots, you know, birding. Never, so never look back. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it's been what it what it is. Yeah, very cool. Uh, I I know that you've got to be good because uh, Blair Burns and uh, I I read his post on the, the day of birding at Oklahoma when uh, you met up with a couple other well really well known birders and uh, and uh, he had I think he had birded with them the day the day before and found you know more than the fifty birds he needed for his quest and and uh, I think he refers to you as a bird finding machine. Oh, uh, uh, so he said, uh, yeah, he, that's high praise coming from Blair. Well, that was uh, that was a great day. I was fortunate to be a part of it. We had a good time. Um, definitely less than ideal weather conditions, I would say. You know, but if you got twenty four hours, then um, got to use them. You just got to use them, and uh, you know, I do okay. I spend a lot of time um, in the spots that I go to, and uh, I 
I did a pretty good job playing it. I think that we had a good time. So <laughs> I had a, I had a great time I'd with those, uh, those folks too. Sounds like you're a little self-depreciating there. He was, he was pretty effusive in his praise of uh, how, how great a day he had with you guys. And uh, sounds like it was fun. Uh, how do you do it? How do you make so much enough time with a job and a family and, uh, and birding? It's, uh, I, I went through that. I was a family doc and had a couple of kids and it's not easy. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think if my wife was was here and she, you know, heard you ask this question, I think she would say that I do just fine. Uh, you know, it sounds like um, you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes, probably, uh, probably focus on it a little bit too much. But you know, I think definitely it's changed in my last say, you know, a couple years in particular um, my approach to it, but, um, you know, I focus on it. I do it every day mm -hmm. and I make it, um, just, you know, it's part of my day, part of my routine. I mean, and it, it's mostly not going to the local hot spot. It's mm -hmm. sometimes walking around, um, downtown, uh, during my lunch break or, or whatever, or in the backyard, but, you know, taking 15 minutes, 30 minutes a day, um, is just, uh, required for me as, as far as just like self-care yeah, being at, in a, a good mental state. Right. Sure. Um, and I can tell when I don't do it. And I think, I think my family could, could probably also tell like, um, <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, they're very supportive and, you know, I, I try, I try to do it, um, when it makes sense. Uh, sometimes that means not always being, um, out in the highest, you know, bird activity times of the day, but it's, you know, the, the kids go down for a nap, um, in the middle of the afternoon and I'm going to, uh, the park down the street. Right. Yeah, so cool. it might be. <laughs> Maybe it's, uh, you know, 2 p.m. in the afternoon, but uh, in you, you take what you, know, you can get in, in July, life, but you? but you're you're doing it right. So exactly. You know, exactly. Just make an effort. So good for you. It sounds like you've got it together in terms of family and birding and uh, the whole story. So good for you. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Good for you. So uh, you. it sounds like you're in Oklahoma City. Is that right? So I, I spent. Yeah, well, I'm I'm in Tulsa now. I've been oh, in Tulsa okay. for about um, three years now. Prior to that, I was in Oklahoma City for you know eight years, I think. Okay. So um, I've got I've been fortunate to um, you know kind of be in the uh, two major metropolitan areas and get to know a lot of you know probably uh, more than ninety percent of the uh, birding community comes from those you know, maybe not that much but you know a majority of it comes from those. Sure. Uh, two metropolitan areas. Um, so you know, get to get to know a lot of neat uh, people and uh, you know, see different things. Right. So for sure. Um, but yeah, so, in Tulsa now. So what's the birding community like in Tulsa? First of all, Tulsa is obviously a pretty good sized city. How big is Tulsa? Uh, it's. I mean, it's the 50th largest uh, city in the okay. United States. So I mean, pretty good sized city. Yeah, yeah I, I would say it's probably 
Tulsa proper, um, probably 500,000, maybe yeah. almost so, a million in the, uh, you know, metro area. Um, so, Oklahoma City is larger. Than oh, that. okay. Um, it's, I think it's about, about the 25th largest city. Um, okay. So, so both bigger than I had in my mind. Cool. Uh, so there's got to be a pretty good birding community there. You've got a, a reasonable number of good birders. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of good birders. Um, I don't know that um, from a, I don't know that the community is that large. I mean, I think that um, we we have, you know, a Tulsa Audubon Society here in town. Um, Oklahoma City has their own Audubon Society. Um, you know, when I've been to uh, meetings, I think those are usually well attended, but um you know, OOS, Oklahoma Ornithological Society, probably has about 200 members. I don't know. Um, yeah. So about half as big as WASP. So that's pretty yeah. good size. Yeah. I mean, so it's it's easy, obviously, to go to a, a chase and see um, a dozen people. But, um, you know, you can go to one of the metro hotspots, you know, on the weekend in peak migration and also be the only you know, birder there. So, um, you know, it's a good size, but, yeah. uh, it's maybe not as big as, as some of the other States. I mean, I think that, um, probably on a per capita basis, it's, it's probably smaller than Kansas, I suspect, but I don't, I don't know that for sure. Hard to say uh, Pete Jansen spoke highly of you too. Uh, oh. it sounds like yeah, you guys don't live that far apart, uh, Tulsa and, uh, and where he lives there, what, a couple of three hours? Yeah, he lives in Wichita. So that's, uh, you know, you measure everything, not by miles here, but uh, hours. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, it's it's basically, yeah, it's, it's almost, you know, two and a half, two, two and a half hours uh, between uh, Tulsa and Wichita. So, um, you know, I've crossed paths with him a number of times. Uh, you know, I actually took over a, a a breeding bird survey route um, that he had in 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 Oklahoma for quite a while. Cool. He actually runs. Uh, he's the compiler of the Christmas bird count um, in my hometown, which um, you know I've tried to go back and participate in uh, yearly at this point. But um, sometimes it's just uh, he and I, and you know one or two <laughs> other other folks in the uh, in the entire. Uh, circle but we usually have a good time and uh, a decent list anyways good for you good for you and count every bird in the whole 15 miles i'm sure <laughs> the four of you yeah <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah. Right. yeah christmas bird i sure weather can be a huge factor for christmas bird counts there too uh, it, it is your la last winter uh some friends and i went down to ocean shores for the christmas bird count and it was oh my goodness blow raining pouring sideways 40 mile an hour gales you could barely you couldn't use a scope you could barely stand up it was just horrid but i yeah i'm sure you guys face that sometimes too yeah well we uh we get our fair share of wind for sure so not always precipitation but uh you can always count on some uh some really nice oklahoma winds you know i think i said i haven't been to oklahoma i think i have been to oklahoma i drove from uh, a greater prairie chicken lack in ray colorado to a lesser prairie chicken lack in canadian texas or canada oh, yeah canadian texas 
And I think I went through a little tiny bit of Oklahoma there. And you mentioned you mentioning the wind, that's what reminded me because I stopped to get gas at a gas station in Oklahoma and I could barely get the door of the car open and yeah. st- staggered out to pump the gas. Uh, and my wife asked a, a fellow there, says, is this, a, is this wind unusual? He said, well, you know, it's, uh, the, it's March in Oklahoma. It's pretty much a normal day here. <laughs> yeah, uh, sounds right. I mean, I assume it uh, sounds like you could have been... Uh could have been in Guyman or somewhere out there. I don't sure. remember. Yeah. I don't remember, but I do remember the wind. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those things you deal with, right? I mean, you just, uh, if you ever waited for a uh, calm day, you wouldn't get much burden done out here. That's for yeah. sure. So take, take me through Oklahoma birding. What is a typical year like? What do you do in the different times of year? Where, where would you want to go to? Things like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good question. I think that the interesting thing to me about Oklahoma is it's really at the crossroads of everything, east and west, north and south. Um, you know, take Oklahoma City, for example, it's it's pretty much in the smack dab middle part of the state. And um, it's really cool. Things change very quickly. You know, if you go say 90 miles in any direction from Oklahoma city, you will start to see noticeable changes in, in the species that you encounter in, in that time. So, you know, I, I think in winter time, it's, it's definitely, you know, that, that's what comes to mind. And there's certainly a lot of that. Obviously um, people are interested in, in the long spurs. Uh, seems like Smith's long spur in particular seems to be one that, um, you know, people are excited about seeing, which makes sense because it is kind of tough. more, yeah. the more restricted, you know, from a, from a winter range. Um, but, uh, you know, winter sparrows, of all sorts that's not for everybody but i really like it i mean i think that another thing about oklahoma in winter time is um raptors uh this this is the place i mean for you know every red tail hawk variety and you know color morph everything if you want to uh, if you want to study of the diversity of, of that species, um, you come to Oklahoma in the wintertime and you'll think that you've, <laughs> you'll, you'll be driving down the road at, at 55 miles an hour. And you said, I think that was, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Phrygianus yeah. hog or whatever you turn around and, you know, no, that was, <laughs> that was another uh, red yeah. tail. Yeah, it was a, uh, you know, Creators red tail. Or something, all, all, yeah. yeah. Criders, Harlins, you know, light, dark, everything. Um, very cool. And of course we get, you know, rough legged, that sort of thing as well, but, uh, you know, virginous, but, um, that's another thing that I think is, is pretty unique, um, to the great plains, maybe, maybe not Oklahoma alone, uh, but Kansas as well. But, um, you know, but spring in the, uh, migration, um, fall and, and, 
and spring in the east is has a much different feel um, to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you start to um, see noticeable differences in the numbers and species of warblers that you uh, encounter in the east versus even the central part of the state. And then take that um, out to the western part. Uh, you start to see western species of you know warbler that mm-hmm. you don't see in the uh, central part of the state. Cool. Um, yeah, we got Gulf Coastal Plain um, in the southeast part of the state where um, you got breeding and Hinga, you know, purple gallinule, you know, all of all of that kind Feel of like you're in the Everglades. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, so the diversity, I think, is is what it's all about. And, you know, there's over 10 different ecoregions in the state, which. Uh, I think there's 11, actually. Um, There's not many states that offer the um, habitat diversity. And obviously that that translates to bird species. But, you know, maybe maybe not necessarily breeding birds, but uh, certainly in migration. um, Yeah, it's 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 underrated, in my opinion. So it sounds like it. I can't wait to get there. I. uh... Yeah, I think I've seen all of the long spurs and like onesies here or there, but uh, to see a flock of, I, I like sparrows. I'm not good at sparrows. I think it's hard to get good at sparrows in a place that doesn't have that many sparrows. Uh, but uh, it, it would be really fun to spend a few days just kind of studying the flocks and really getting to know some some of the species that are just hard. How, how many, I, I obviously you get four long spurs if you're lucky, you get I'm sure a handful of sparrows. Do you get a lot of the Northern Plains breeding sparrows there too, or in the winter? What's give me some just a list of names? What would you expect to see on a really good couple of three days of birding sparrowing down there? Sparrowing, um, American tree, Leconte sparrow. This is all in the winter, right? So yeah, um, white throated, uh, white crowned, um, swamp song, Lincoln's um, fox sparrow, the red kind. Mm-hmm. You know, the Eastern, Yeah, um, I think Blair, um, when he was I, here, I, I read, he, his, saw a picture in his post. It was fun. Yeah. He's like, he was like, are you sure that's a, you know, that, that looks quite a bit different than our, uh, Fox sparrows. I was like, oh, yeah, this is the Fox sparrow. This is, this is that bright one, that bright red one, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, Eastern and West, um, uh, Eastern and spotted towhees, I think, um, yeah. You maybe won't see them in the in the same spot in the wintertime, but I mean, we certainly have uh, eastern in the eastern part of the state spotted in the west. Um, so those are the winter species for sure. It's a pretty um, good list. Yeah, pr- pretty good list. Here we get a you know white crowned and golden crowned. <laughs> it's just a uh, yeah, we get a few sparrows, but not not some of those. That's yeah. fun. That's fun. Um, well, and wh- where do you where do you go looking for stars on the plains? Or do you look for agricultural edges with brush, or where would you go looking? Yeah, I mean, I think it uh, obviously depends on the on the species, but um, the ditches along the roadsides, or you know, on the edge of agricultural fields, or um, you know, where you find a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Leconte sparrow tends to be almost like a similar habitat of a uh, cedron. Uh, so, Oh, wow. Okay. Kind of uh, wet, wetter, um, you know, grass that 
maybe not wetlands, but certainly kind of stays damp meadow sort of areas. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that's a little bit different, but, um, you know, a lot of times in the wintertime, even the local parks and urban areas, you're going to get, um, at least, you know, I'd say five or six different sparrow species, um, in a, in a metro area. Right. So, so what's a winter day like down there? Is it like really cold or is it just windy or is it every day different or what's it like? No, uh, yeah, we don't actually, you know, that bitter cold, we're, mm-hmm. we're usually far enough South that, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't know what the mean 40, temperature 40s is, and but 50s it's probably uh, mid forties. Yeah. yeah okay. mid, to so? high, mid to high forties. Um, you know, we'll certainly get the snaps that are, uh, significantly colder but um not bitterly not bitterly cold um you know so uh, but yeah expect some wind and uh yeah cool Uh, so i you've had some good birds down there lately i just uh you know in preparation for this looked at ebird you had a palmer and jaeger down there not too long ago yeah i was uh i was fortunate enough to i didn't I didn't find that. That was, uh, that was one that, um, was reported by, uh, Scott Loss over in, uh, Stillwater, which is basically an hour, um, to the West of, mm-hmm. of Tulsa. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was a good bird. Um, we don't get a lot of Jaegers and it seems like at least in recent history, Palmer and Jaeger, uh, is probably the, the rarest of the of the three. Oh wow! Smaller Good for you. Smaller Jaegers, yeah. So, and you know they're almost never chaseable, right? It's like yeah, just a flyby, uh, blown some, in and gone. Gone, yeah. You're not someone gone tomorrow. Was got a uh, got a photo and then post it on you know eBird or whatever, and that bird is long gone by then. You know, by the time you even get in the car. So fortunate yeah. to to do that. I mean, I don't get to chase a lot these days, but, um, I hear you, you know, uh, state birds or, you know, at least, uh, species on the review list. If they're not terribly far, I, I usually try and yeah. ask for, ask permission to, uh, good for you <laughs> to leave good. the house. You know, I hear you. I, I lived through a lot of those years. So I'm retired now. So I'm feeling really blessed to be able to just, uh, dash and go kind of at the drop of a hat <laughs> not disappoint too many people. Yeah. I mean, it, it only cost me a, a pizza to, to bring back home from our favorite uh, pizza place in uh, Stillwater. Uh, so um, uh, I thought that, that, that was a pretty easy trade. That's a pretty cheap, uh, that's cheap <laughs> trade off. I like that. Good for you. Sounds like you've got a, an obliging family. You're, yeah. you're really fortunate for that. That's great. Uh, I saw, I, I looked at your Instagram page uh, and I saw that you're a, let me pronounce this correctly, a philatelist. Uh, how do you say scamp collector in science talk? Oh, well, you know, um, that I'm actually not not much of a uh, stamp collector flatalist, but um, it it's mostly a uh, a line from a movie called oh, uh, okay. Fox Catcher. Oh, that it's a it's a slight variation, but I had a coworker explain it or uh, you know describe me to uh, someone else as you know geologist, ornithologist, flatalist, bird collector. Yeah. Um, so I 
I thought it was good enough that I uh, took it for my own, you know, but okay. I, I don't do uh, much stamp collecting. I do actually have a, a fair number of bird stamps, but it's usually just uh, someone, you know, finding one and okay i know uh i know okay maybe he would uh appreciate this well if i if i see one i'll send you a letter (laughs) (laughs) sounds perfect yeah bring him on yeah good i was wondering if uh maybe i was thinking well maybe he was a stamp collector as a kid and now he collects bird (laughs) five sightings instead you know it's kind of yeah we're kind of collectors of a sort version we collect our life list and our state list and our county list and etc list yeah i I mean i'm definitely a, a collector of uh of birds and and memories for sure um that's about the extent of it though i know of another birder who uh collects uh the tail numbers of airplanes of all crazy things. Uh, you know, it's this weird, the things people will collect or keep track of. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the license plate deal or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. Same idea. Same idea. So uh, tell me, uh, what's, your, what's your favorite type of birding? What really gets you excited about birding? There's, there is no replacement for seeing a bird for the first time. Um, that, you know, that's always kind of there. Um, it's always special, but I mean, at this point in time, I'm really enjoying my county list and my patch list. Um, mm-hmm. and I've been doing for the last two years, the, uh, the five mile radius, uh, bird. Oh yeah. So, cool. Uh, as far as I know, I'm, I'm not sure of any others. Uh, you know, I think that that all started kind of out there in the Pacific Northwest, uh, where mm-hmm. you're at. But, um, I, I started doing that in, well, right at the end of t- 2019, I told mm-hmm. myself I was going to spend more time birding close to home. And mm-hmm. I was like, this, this five MR, uh, thing seems, you know, right up, you know, everything that I, that I need. Right. And, um, you know, of course that was, you know, that I was like, I'm going to start this on January one. And then what happened? COVID. I had no idea how much time I would actually be spending in my five mile radius (laughs) and, um, you know, lockdowns. We, we locked down a a little bit here. I mean, I think it was relatively minor to some of the places, but I mean, had, no real effect on me because I was already um, doing that that five MR thing, and uh, you know, ended up posting a really fantastic uh, you know county county year anyway. So um, that's really what I've been, you know, county enjoying. birding. Walks. County yeah. birding is really fun. I have to say, we've got such a nice community of birders in Pierce County here where I live on the Puget Sound and, uh, you know, Bruce Labar and uh, uh, Will Brooks. And there's probably, oh, 10 or 12 pretty avid county birders. And uh, we really have fun, uh, you know, because almost every year that Will doesn't give it a good shot, uh, Bruce wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Will is you know, young and talented. And just uh, one year he went out to get a county list and it was like, oh my goodness, he's just finding everything everywhere. But we old farts poke around enough that we, we usually have higher lists just because we spend more more time chasing the easy uh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, he's just going to have to work harder. Sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, all, sure we all have fun. 
we all yeah. had fun. Yeah. We just recently uh, started some, uh, have you heard of a, a text app called group me? Anyway, it's cool. It's a, it's like a, a text app that you can form a group on for your phone. And uh, so when any one of us finds a good bird, we put that up on our little group me text group and it's, it's fun. We hear about things, you know, real time and dash out and get things. It's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, I think that sounds, that sounds like a lot of fun. You know, Oklahoma tends to be a late adopter of technology. Um, it's one of the, the few states that still has a real strong uh, listserv. Um, oh, yeah. Well, and good. we, <laughs> you know, I wish I wish wish there was more out there that were, um, you know, adopting these uh, kind of new uh, tools. But let's let's typically not the way it works um or hasn't worked out here but uh yeah i mean we try and try and uh there's a small group that has uh some similar thing but uh yeah you know, cool it's, it's a very small population of other birders so as far as county listing goes i mean i think i saw a an article on the internet uh birding magazine uh posted the uh 50 least e-birded counties in the U- United States and three oh, really? of them were, um, were in Oklahoma. So there, there, yeah. there is some new, not new frontiers, but um, there are still some uh, under discovered areas in the state that uh, maybe I should probably focus on. Well, see, you can be the top e-birder in a couple of counties in a single <laughs> year. If you just spend a two hours birding there. Yeah. You know? It sounds like maybe, yeah, like a half day probably probably get it done <laughs> good <laughs> fun uh, so uh, if a bird is going to come to oklahoma where where would you tell them to fly to and you know what sort of uh, places should they hit i mean oklahoma city has the uh the largest airport it's the largest city it's also centrally located it's probably the easiest place to get in and out of um start there and uh you know i think depending on the time of year uh you could go uh number you can go pretty much in any direction i think um some of the hot spots uh, that are i would say special are um hackberry flat in uh it's a it's a property managed by the oklahoma department of wildlife um uh, fish and wildlife um, it's in the southwest part of the state. It's really nice for um, shorebirds of, of all types. Um, obviously, waterfowl, depending on the time of year. Um, king rail, uh, Virginia rail, sometimes, you know, sometimes king rail can be found there. Um, you know, and then if you go to the kind of the northwest part of the state, um, a big kind of shorebird slash uh, crane stopover is um, Great Salt Plains National Wildlife Refuge, um, which is it's probably about two hours uh, northwest of um, Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of one of those major stop-off points. It's, mm-hmm. it's like the first major one south of uh, those, you know, Cheyenne Bottoms, Quivira National Wildlife Refuge in Kansas, and these um, you yeah, know, that's, that's a good place for whooping crane in, uh, in both spring and fall. 
uh, shorebirds um, of all sorts. Uh, the only thing about that is uh, some of that wildlife refuge is, is not always always accessible. accessible. But um, so you're kind of at the mercy of the you know the trails or whatever. There's you know dozens and dozens of square miles that you just know there's some rarity out there that that's yeah. never going to be found you know but um those are uh i would say two i mean i think great salt plains is definitely world class um uh, how about for wintering birds where would you uh if you those are kind of sound they might be great wintering bird spots too but they sound like migratory hotspots more yeah uh for wintering birds where would you recommend oh um yeah for long spurs yeah, the whole the whole yeah, Great Plains wintering stuff. Yeah, uh, there's a um, nature conservancy property called um, uh, Tallgrass Prairie Preserve in uh, Osage County, which is you know north you know north central north northeast part of the state. That's um, uh, a fantastic place for. Long spurs. I mean, that's a great place for Smith's long for long spur. Um, you can, in the past, you've been able to get Smith's long spur in the city limits of Tulsa and um, Oklahoma City and Norman, um, hmm. which are um, the biggest cities. It's, it's getting harder uh, with development and whatnot. Um, a lot of those fields that uh, used to be Smith. Long spur uh, habitat are now becoming uh, hotels and parking strip, lots. So strip, strip malls and parking lots. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the status of that that Smith Smith long spur population in in Norman is at this point, but um, you know, but yeah, I mean, Tallgrass Prairie Preserve um, is uh, a great place to view um, winter raptors, uh, long spurs. It's maybe one of the better spots probably is one of the better spots for smith's longspur in the wintertime um sooner lake uh which is just north of stillwater it's another good real good spot for uh smith's longspur okay um then really the other longspurs are kind of you can find them not too tough in pretty much most agricultural, um, you know, fields that have been, uh, you know, plowed in the, in the winter time, it seems like Smith's is more, a little harder, more to restricted. Um, but you know, I, uh, the Western part of the state in the inner winter time, you can easily get three, you know, chestnut collard, um, Lapland and, uh, thick build. yeah. Yeah. Oh, excuse yeah. me. Thick I, build I guess now. we're calling excuse it me. thick build, yeah. uh, now, um, those those tend to be in the western part of the state you know central to west smith tends to be central to east but you can easily get them in a uh, in a day transversing you know the north um tier of counties in in oklahoma uh you can get all four of them so um yeah cool i'm gonna uh kind of pick up on a topic we talked about briefly uh, before we started recording. You're a trained geologist. Uh, t- tell me what your work is in that. And, and you had mentioned that that kind of uh, flavors your approach to looking for birds, even on a micro habitat sort of level. Yeah, yeah, cover that a little bit for me. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm a 
geologist. I um, you know work in the energy sector out here is a uh, you know my my full time job. Um, but uh, you know I think I I kind of tend to approach things as as geology controls everything or at least most everything. Um, and you know, that, that sort of mindset and interest in birds. I mean, I really enjoy, um, you know, recognizing and, um, looking for places where, um, you know, geology controls, you know, weathered rocks control, control, uh, soil types, which control, uh, vegetation in a, in a lot of scenarios. And then that in turn dictates in a lot of cases, uh, bird species. So, um, you know, there's, there's definitely places where I can take you, uh, say Wichita mountains, national wildlife refuge, which I didn't mention, um, in the other, that's another hot spot. maybe not in the winter time, but that's certainly a place where you can get uh, black cat vireo um you wow. know, breeds there um so but i mean you can you can walk trails um in that in that wildlife refuge for example and um the types of wrens that you encounter on your on your hike is totally you could draw a map based on uh wren species encountered on your hike and that would correlate to the you know geologic rocks that outcrop in in each particular area so you know whether or not you're uh, finding carolina wrens or rock wrens you could uh you could draw a geologic map of the uh of the rocks that outcrop at the surface there and um those two maps would essentially be the same so um that that's sort of um you know very small scale, uh, rapid change in, um, in species, uh, really, really interests yeah. me because, because of, uh, it's kind of, you know, my two, my two worlds, uh, colliding, you know? <laughs> yeah. Colliding. I would say sinking, sinking up as opposed <laughs> yeah. to colliding. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Very well. Oh, cool. Well, uh, I really fun to talk to you today, uh, Zach. I had a lot of fun uh, uh, talking with you and maybe getting to know you a little bit. I'm really hoping I get to Oklahoma. I, I just, uh, it's a state that uh, intrigues me and I'm uh, hoping to get down there before too many uh, seasons pass. Yeah. Uh, it, it, a couple of things I want to just close with. Are there people who've been really important to you in, in terms of your development as a birder? You've met a, you said you met a friend who kind of showed you around at them. And do you have a mentor or mentors or fellow birders who've really been helpful to you or important uh, in your kind of uh, development as a birder? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the answer is yes. Um, so, some of them are birders. Some of them are not even think would even consider themselves birders right or you know outdoor enthusiasts maybe but mm -hmm. um you know i certainly have uh, benefited from you know pretty much everybody in in the community that i've ever interacted with either it's uh you know the the ebird reviewer you know and you know in given some uh you know pointers or or whatever you know that i mean all obviously all that stuff i mean 
I'm on the Oklahoma Bird Records Committee, and I think I I learn more about bird identification from uh, from that than than almost anything, you know. So I I think you know I always enjoy uh, other people's perspectives, um, what they're you know little tips tips and tricks. So uh, you know I. Um, yeah, I, I, I owe, you know, everything to, you know, pretty much, pretty much everybody that, uh, that has taken time to, uh, to talk with me. So there, there's, um, a large number of people, uh, that have helped me along the way. It takes a family. There's been people who have helped all of us. I, I can appreciate that. Uh, so if somebody wanted to reach out to you, what would it be the best way for somebody to get a hold of you, Zach? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I maybe, maybe Facebook, um, I have a kind of love hate relationship with, with most social media, but, um, you know, join the crowd. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe that, um, I'm, Zach Poland on OS, uh, you know, Facebook or, you know, my, my emails out on, um, yeah. I think the OS web website as well. So, Perfect. um, I'm, I'm out and, and available for sure. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks again. It's really nice to talk with you today, Zach. Good luck with your birding and with your family and with your work and, uh, with life in, in general. Thanks so much for being on with me. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Well, that wraps up the Birdbander podcast, episode number 114 with Zach Poland. Thanks for listening. As you've noticed, I've been really trying to get birders from different parts of the ABA area, especially different states. I'm really uh, hoping to find a birder from every state to eventually be on the podcast. So if you know of some really good birders, people you'd like to have on as a guest uh, and hear their story on the Birdbander podcast, please get a hold of me. You can find me on the contact page on birdbander.com or on uh, Twitter or Facebook at as, as at bird banter anyway reach out to me uh let me know who you'd like to have as a guest and thanks again to zach i hope you enjoyed listening until next time good birding good day <laughs>